Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Kia ora, g'day and welcome to the history of Aotearoa New Zealand, episode 127, Q&A 2023, part 5. This podcast is recorded in Te Whanganui Atara on the rohe of Muiupoko, Taranaki Whanganui, Te Atiawa and Ngāti Toa Rangatira. We are generously supported by our amazing patrons. If you want to support Hans, go to patreon.com slash history On to the next questions, which are from KP, who is on the Discord. Uh, thank you very much for these questions, KP. When can we crowdsource for a new simple tank? Uh, yeah, this was something that I jokingly talked about in the last Q&A which was, yeah, we should do a, one of the cool things that I'd like to do is crowdsource to build a new simple tank. That'd be awesome. But the fact of the matter is, to, to, be, to, to really be a Debbie Downer and give you a serious answer, I don't have enough time to do something like that. Realistically, I don't have the time, nor do I have the expertise. Um, so I'd have to team up with someone else. I'd love to do it. I think it would be awesome um, to do something like that and document it, make a doco. A documentary about it or something about the trials and tribulations of trying to do this thing and how it would work and making it historically accurate i think it'd be really interesting i think it'd be really cool but there's just too many gaps in my the, the time that i have the expertise the funding obviously well i guess that's what the crowdsourcing is for but you know th- there is a lot of gaps there that would need to be filled and the the real answer is i'd have to have a lot of time on my hands to do that and between doing this podcast and working a full-time job i don't think it would be realistic unless yeah unless i got a bunch of people to help me and and that in and of itself is quite an effort as well so it'd be cool i'd love it it'd be awesome but yeah i don't unless unless something drastically changes in my situation then i don't think it is something that is going to happen but you never know if you know any rich people that could that could pay me money to quit my job to do this thing 
tell them to give me a call. <laughs> KP's second question was one of those ones that I was hoping for. Can you please talk about your tech setup? Absolutely I can. As I mentioned earlier, I have recently upgraded my tech setup, which is uh, really good. So hopefully it sounds a lot better um, than it has previously. Um, so I guess I'll run you through kind of a, a little bit of a history of my tech setup because it has changed um, a reasonable amount over the years. So originally, way back in the, the beginning, um, I was using a blue snowball, which was fine. It was affordable whilst also being not absolutely terrible, which was good enough at the time. And then eventually I upgraded to some ATR 2100 USB microphones. Um, and they were also fine, but a bit more upmarket, um, which was good. You know, it was meant to be a bit of an improvement. And then in 2021, I changed to some Rode USB microphones. Um, and that's because I won the bronze award for best indie podcast in the New Zealand podcast awards and that that category was sponsored by Acast and they offered some prizes um, if you got bronze silver or gold so that microphone was my prize for getting bronze and in fact I got four of those microphones which I obviously didn't need um, so I gave uh, the other three away to um, other podcasters in New Zealand because I you know wanted to share the love around a bit and I didn't I felt a bit wrong to just sell them so I thought I'd give them away to people that would have use for them um, Waffles was actually one of them which was great so yeah so that's what I was I have been using for the last couple of years and initially I think it was okay but when I got them I was recording in a very different space than what I am now and what I have been in the last sort of year or so. I, I think initially it was probably fine but as I've moved you know moved house um, in the last couple of years I, I don't think those have been very good in the spaces I've been um, using them in. And so I have been really wanting to change that up for quite some time. So what I have ended up doing now is um, those ATR 2100s that I have that I did use um, previously as my second set of microphones. Um, I actually bought well microphones. I bought two of them at the time because I was going to use one of them as my standard microphone, and when I wanted to go somewhere to interview someone you know say for example the biscuit tin interview where I actually went to parliament and I talked to um, the clerk of the house in his office I was going to use those two microphones along with a zoom h4n to record those interviews on location if you will so that was the idea is that the the zoom is like a little kind of audio recording device you know you basically plug the microphones in you push record you're talking to it you push, push stop and it does like a bunch of other things as well but it's kind of like a portable microphone and recorder it's got its own microphone on it but it's not super good for what I want to do so I I plugged in the the ATRs into it to be able to record it obviously doesn't have super great audio because of course you never when you're on location you never really quite know what kind of space you're going to be in but obviously that's not really the point the idea is is that if you have someone that you want to interview and they are more comfortable you know being in in their own space and and you know ha, you know you can come to them and, and talk to them so they can sit in their chair or at their table or whatever 
if they're more comfortable with that i wanted to be able to have the freedom to be able to go and see them in person of course it's uh pretty common now to do uh you know conversations over zoom and that sort of stuff but i bought these microphones and the zoom i believe before the pandemic started so although that was a viable option was to use zoom or skype or whatever i kind of envisioned that lots of people would probably prefer me go talk to them in person and then the pandemic happened and then a lot of that kind of stuff changed the interview with the head of the repatriation team at the papa was originally going to be in person but uh that was going to happen right around the time lockdown happened um, and so that's partially why it was meant to happen like a few months earlier than it actually did but because of a couple of other things plus the pandemic it ended up being a little bit later and so of course the pandemic made it more common that people were a bit more comfortable doing it of doing interviews and things over zoom so i haven't actually used that quite as much as i originally thought but anyway so that's my that's my like travel kit um but the crux of that story is that i kept the atrs so i had these um microphones and i recently bought a focusrite scarlet audio interface which is basically a fancy box that um has like a gain dial and does a bunch of stuff and as far as i'm concerned it's a fancy box that does magic that makes my voice sound better i don't really know how it works that's what professionals have so i thought i'd, I'd get one and the Focusrite scarlet is again one of those things that is affordable and is fine i could absolutely get something that's a lot better than than this the small red box that i have on my desk but they're like thousands of dollars right the focus rate for example was only hundreds it wasn't a thousand it wasn't more than a thousand dollars and yeah so i could find something that's probably a lot better but it's a lot more expensive and honestly probably a bit overkill for what i need having discussed various options with other podcasters as well so it's nice and affordable and does a, a, a decent enough job of what i want basically which is great i i i think the audio sounds better with the scarlet i hope that comes across maybe it doesn't <laughs> but oh well um it's nice for me because the these atrs although i said that they were usb microphones and that's why kind of the, the that's kind of the big problem with the audio previously is it's always been usb microphones and generally if you want good audio you need xlr microphones and thankfully the atrs have holes or ports for both usb and xlr um, the xlr cables are what i was using on the zoom the um the travel kit so now i've got the xlr cable plugged in to the scarlet which yeah is meant to be better i don't know why but it's meant to be better that's what people say so that's what i have done <laughs> um so yeah and then i use a pair of what are they dt770 pros as my headphones i bought those recently as well they're really good um, they're just you know when you think of like professional like recording headphones of like the things that people on the radio use usually you're thinking of these if you saw a picture of them you probably recognize them so i bought a, a pair of fancy headphones because i wanted them to just be good and last and i use them you know on my computer when i'm playing games and stuff so i use headphones a lot anyway so i wanted a good pair and those plug into the uh, scarlet as well which i didn't realize i needed a fancy plug thing because it's not just a 3.4 millimeter audio jack it's like a big one but thankfully 
my headphones came with the attachment to be able to put them in. So actually, it was really lucky that I, um, I bought these kind of roughly at the same time as well. So that was really good as well. Happy with that. So that's the physical tech setup. ATR2100 microphones with XLR cables into a Focusrite Scarlet and then pumped audially through um, some DT770 Pros that I used to listen to my own voice. And that was also something that was really important about the, the Scarlet as well is that up until this point, I haven't been able to listen to my own voice when I record. So I have to have one of the headphones like off my ears so that I can hear my own voice. Um, partially because I can get quite loud um, if I can't hear myself. So it annoys the other people living in my house. Um, but also just because, um, you know, if you're trying to pronounce words and things, even just simple English words, you'd be surprised how difficult it is sometimes to say just simple words. But if you can't quite hear yourself properly, it's harder to try and figure out those words and how to say them properly and whether it's coming through on the audio and stuff. So just it's just a bit easier if you can hear yourself. Um, so that's a really big advantage that I've been really enjoying as well is just being able to being able to hear myself. Um, so that's the physical tech setup. Um, in terms of the equipment that I use to record, or the uh, sorry, the software that I use to record, it is Audacity. Again, because it straddles that line of being uh, affordable, it's free, so that's great, and it more or less does everything that I need it to do. I've previously, or before I started the podcast, I had a little bit of experience with Audacity that I did. I did some a little bit of random stuff in university nothing terribly extreme it was like listening to whale recordings and and stuff um so i had a little bit of experience in audacity so that when i loaded it up for the first time i i, I sort of knew like where some of the stuff was and 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 how to like select things and move things around so i had like a extremely basic understanding of how audacity worked um so the combination of previous experience and it being free is the reason why i started using audacity and I know I could use other ones, and I know I could pay for them, and they're probably better. But the problem is, of course, I'd have to relearn how to use them again. And that's just not really something that I want to do, <laughs> if I'm being entirely honest. So yeah, so I use Audacity. I know I could be better. I know I could use something else. I just don't. Um, <laughs> it's the, is, is the real answer there. So that's my recording setup. Um, so thank you KP for um, that question all right on to the next question which comes from Gustav I was wondering why you refer to Hans as we in the outro when the podcast is just you thank you for the question Gustav this is a question that I'm kind of surprised I haven't been asked earlier you're the first person who has at least asked me about it i don't know if anyone else has noticed that i do this but certainly no one else has asked me about it yeah it is something that i do when i refer to the podcast i refer to it as we you know like there's more people working on this than there actually is and there has been some editors in the past who work on the podcast so it, to say that there's been multiple people working on it is not entirely untrue at certain points of the podcast so sometimes there has been two people but by and large you are correct it is just me and i've been doing i've been saying you know we and us a lot even before i had anyone else working actively on the podcast besides myself so 
To answer your question, why do I do that? The main reason is that I kind of thought, and kind of still do, think of the podcast as a collective effort of not just myself, but there's the listeners, the authors who write the books that I use as sources, there's the people that I interview, there's the patrons who give me money, and of course, we're talking about people in the podcast who are real. The historical characters we talk about are very real people that are no longer around. So they're in, you know, they're part of it as well, even if they have no influence on it in any way. But there are people that we, you know, the people we talk about are very real. They had real lives. These aren't just stories that I'm making up. They're actual human beings. And so I kind of wanted to acknowledge all of those people who you don't typically think of when you think about who is making the podcast. Sure, I'm the only one who's actively running the whole thing, but there are all these other people, living and dead, that contribute in their own little, sometimes invisible, ways. It's the shit posters on Twitter who keep me sane, my partner who I talk about ideas with, my employer who gives me money, the historians who tell me that this project is worthwhile, the professional radio podcasters who say they're impressed with my work, the other indie podcasters who help with collabs, ideas, and just building a community that's fun to be in, and very open to assistance and collaboration, and again, the authors who write the books, the tech forums who help me solve issues, the patrons who give me extra money just for the podcast, the characters we talk about who aren't characters but real people, and listeners for suffering through ads which helps give me even more funding. There are a lot of people involved in the podcast in tiny little ways that all contribute to making the final product, so it's a way to acknowledge them. Because even though I say they contribute in tiny ways, those tiny ways are extremely important. I wouldn't have been able to upgrade my tech setup without the patrons, so thank you so much to those patrons that allow me to do that. Those Spates episodes also wouldn't have, have occurred because I had to buy a, like a hundred and fifty or something dollar book to be able to do those episodes. So, you know, there's lots of different people that have all these different influences um, on the podcast in these very small but very important ways. Um, so don't don't take that to mean that I say your your you know your contribution's small. Every contribution counts, whether that's financial, moral support, or bouncing off ideas, or helping me with tech problems. There's all sorts of different things that contribute to the podcast in ways that you wouldn't even think of. And I guess to kind of go back to some of that stuff I talked about earlier with, you know, it's a, it's a sometimes a lonely job if you're doing it on your own. And so just the simple act of sending a podcaster an email and saying, hey, I really liked this. Uh, this is a thing that I learned that I didn't know before. I thought that was pretty cool or interesting. Or doing a review where you say something like that as well. Letting podcasters know that you listened and that you enjoyed it is very, very significant and helpful even though for you it might not seem like a very big thing for us it is a very big thing to know that it that this has been worthwhile so you know i guess this is my roundabout way of saying yeah give people give podcasters reviews and send them emails and tell them nice things <laughs>
<laughs> but you know, there, there's lots of different ways that people contribute, um, big and small, and all of them are important and significant. So by saying we and us when I refer to the podcast, that is my way of acknowledging, or one of the ways that I acknowledge those people. And maybe that's a bit weird. Um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's a bit strange. But that's my logic and reasoning behind why I do that. On to the next question, which comes from Sophie. If you could actually witness any historical event that occurred in New Zealand or even worldwide, what would it be and would you get involved? Now, I thought about this question and uh, much like uh, Waffles, one of Waffles's questions, I feel that there's an obvious answer here, which is the signing of Te Tiriti or Waitangi, the Treaty of Waitangi, what is described as the founding document of the modern nation of New Zealand. And that's significant, and that would be interesting, but I don't know if that's what I'd pick. I don't know if that's the one that I think would be the most interesting for me. Um, I suppose it would be interesting to see all the interpersonal dynamics play out, um, you know, as as the treaty is being signed or the, the negotiation that preceded it. But I'm not sure if that would actually be terribly interesting to watch. I'm kind of unsure, but I don't know if that's the one that I would find the most interesting. You know, if you're picking any event that happened in New Zealand or even worldwide, I don't know if that's the most interesting thing that has happened that would be cool to see the thing that i've been doing recently is i've been reading about uh, abel tasman because that's who we're going to cover next year he's the next step in our story um, because he's he's the first european to find new zealand and the part of that story that has been particularly fascinating for me uh, is the first interaction Tasman and his crew have with maori which is in fact the first interaction of maori with any europeans and it goes south pretty quickly um, for a number of different reasons. It's not a terribly positive interaction. But there is an interesting dynamic there where we don't know much about what the Māori side were thinking or discussing. A lot of that side of the history has been lost because the group of people, the hapu that was living in the area at the time were later conquered um, by a different Māori group. Um, and then they were conquered subsequently later on as well. So that the stories of that experience, if, if those stories even survived, didn't survive those two subsequent uh, conflicts. So I think if, you know, I had a time machine and I could go back and um, I could go and see this event and the lead up to, you know, Abel Tasman turning up in um, Mohua, Golden Bay, which is near Nelson, which is where this interaction took place. Um, you know, if I could if I could stand on the, the beach in the par and talk to those people, I think it would be really interesting to be able to ask them as it is happening what their thoughts were. Who did they think these newcomers were? What did they make of the white cloths that they were waving over the sides of the ships? Because what Abel Tasman did is he would wave, he had his crew wave around like the white linen that they had because they were going to use it as trade goods. The idea was that they had been given all this stuff 
to use to trade with people that they came across and a bunch of this linen was what they had was one of the things that they had been given so uh, Tasman when the the waka came up to their ships instructed his crew to wave around the cloths to indicate we have things for you we have things that we can trade you know so i think there's there's a whole dynamic there where the language barrier is obviously like the crucial part here is is why this whole interaction went the way it did and so yeah there's the sources have a lot of speculation about what was going on on the maori side because we know quite a lot about the discussions that were going on on the um, dutch side because Tasman, you know, wrote in his diary like what they were discussing and what they were going to do and how those plans played out and all that sort of stuff. But we don't know what Māori were doing on their end. We don't know because obviously they were coming together and discussing, you know, what's going on, how they were going to approach the situation, and there's, we don't have any of that. So it'd be so interesting to know what were they discussing what were the options being put forward and how did people react to that surely there was options and this is something that we're going to talk about in these episodes anyway but surely there was options being put forward of like we should just attack them or we should try and negotiate or we should send someone to the nearby allies to bring reinforcements to help us and yeah, you know, there'll there, there be all these different things. Um, there's some thoughts that maybe the Māori thought that the ships were, and the people on board those ships, were like ghosts or some sort of supernatural entity. And there's other thoughts that they would have known that they were people from somewhere across the sea because, you know, they knew that they came from somewhere else. They had stories that they'd come from Hawaii. So they knew that there were other people beyond the the areas that they lived. So there's that as well. And there's, there's all sorts of other different things of what they may or may not have thought and, and how they were potentially going to approach the situation. And I found in the sources that sometimes these uh these authors will say oh well these maori were discussing this and this is what they were going to do and it's like we actually don't know what they discussed and we don't know what course of action they decided to take because we only know how the situation played out we know how we know what happened but we don't know was that their plan to go to attack them because that's a kind of eventually what happened is the maori did end up attacking some of the um some of the dutch and and ended up killing a few of them and so you know was that their original plan was that just one one chief who got a bit gung-ho and was just like right i'm just going to go do it even though the plan was originally to just let's just scope it out you know maybe that's that was the plan that's all stuff we'll discuss anyway but i think that would be really interesting to be able to talk to those people and know what was going on because some also some authors also compare it to aliens landing on earth and although that's an accurate description did maori actually view it that way again there is a possibility that the maori understood and and knew that these people were probably from somewhere else from beyond the sea probably didn't quite realize how far away they were originally from but they potentially had a good grasp of the fact that these people did not you know were were not local and that they had come from the from somewhere beyond yeah beyond the sea so it may not have been uh aliens turn up and they're like oh my god what do we do they're like oh these are other people they're just 
they're just pale, you know, and they just come in big ships that we don't recognize. But again, we don't know that. We don't know if that's how they viewed it. We had, Maybe they did view it as aliens. Maybe they, like, in an alien sort of way. Maybe they thought that these people were ghosts or some other sort of supernatural creature. Because I believe that's where the term Pākehā comes from. It comes from, uh, it's derived from the word for, like, a, a, a sea elf kind of thing. So, yeah. So I think that would be really interesting. The other, because um, I get, I've, you know, like with all of these, I've got two options. Um, <laughs> the other option um, that I thought would be really interesting would be seeing when Māori first arrived to Aotearoa. So, like, watch from the beach as the waka get closer to the shore and they pull up on the sand and the people jump off onto the whenua for the first time. Because I think that's really quite a significant thing that happened, Right. You know, they're the first humans that Aotearoa has ever seen. And that, you know, Aotearoa was the last major landmass to be colonized by humans. And I think there is something kind of, I don't know, romantic, poetic about that, about humans never being here before and those humans being the first ones here and this being kind of the last major bastion that humanity hasn't hasn't been to and hasn't altered that environment in any way up until that point i think that's a that's a yeah poetic kind of notion to see that happen you know a a vast untouched wilderness of infinite possibilities for these people who'd been traveling for possibly months um, because they were escaping disease famine or war you know these people have come from extremely bad circumstances that's part of the reason potentially part of the reason why they left and came to this new land and so it's uh you know they make this dangerous and risky journey to a land that they you know maybe don't quite know very much about it's very unexplored they don't know what's out there they had virtually no idea that awaited you know what awaited them they didn't know what predators might be out there whether what could be eaten and what couldn't you know there's a lot of unknowns there to to go from something that is already a horrible situation of again disease famine and war to come all the way here for crossing your fingers that it's going to be fine it's not quite like that obviously they had a bit of information and obviously they were very good um at oceanic navigation and that sort of thing but that's a that's a big it's a big journey to undertake with limited knowledge and so i think that would be really interesting to watch is is yeah these people first arrive in new zealand um or in aotearoa and um yeah begin a new life for themselves If you want to get in touch, my email and social media are on historyaotearoa.com. Aotearoa spelt A-O-T-E-A-R-O-A. You can also find helpful resources there like transcripts and sources. If you would like to support Hans, you can do so through donating via Patreon or giving us a review. As always, haere tu atu, oki tu mai. See you next time. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.